Coming up today on David versus Goliath. It's going to be a great day, I think. Because today, it's all about the hits. We've utilized the technology that allows us to geoframe, which is the technical term. A lot of times, the reason that we have met with success and acquired some of the accounts that we have is because we were there. We see it all around us all the time. That first transaction we did was one of the biggest of my career. And we'll either fix it, replace it, or burn it. Bring the matches. Welcome to today's episode of David vs. Goliath, a podcast dedicated to helping small businesses leverage technology to not only help them compete against their large competitors, but win. Your host is currently the CEO of Anthem Business Software, a free-time Inc. 500 recipient and a serial entrepreneur with a passion to help small businesses everywhere find, serve, and keep more customers profitably. Please join me in welcoming your host, Adam DeGrade. Hey everyone, it's Adam DeGrade from David vs. Goliath Podcast, wearing my Christmas sweater. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and hopefully a great happy new year coming next week. This is the David versus Goliath podcast, and I am so excited because today it's all about the hits, the hits and nothing but the hits. We're going to be covering the first six episodes of David versus Goliath together on the show. Some of the highlights of these interviews, many new subscribers, many new viewers over the last several weeks. And you maybe didn't go back and listen to some of these interviews. And this will give you a really great flavor to be able to decide which ones you want to go back and listen to. I think you should listen to them all because no matter what kind of business you're involved in, each episode has a gem and something you can take from it no matter what. We are so honored that you're spending time with us on this amazing podcast, trying to grow your business and having fun doing it at the same time. Before we do that, though, a few housekeeping items. Today's episode is brought to you by Anthem Software, where you can find, serve, and keep more customers profitably with their all-in-one software marketing consulting platform. Visit AnthemSoftware.com to take a quick 120-second video tour. Also, you can visit us at DavidVSGoliathPodcast.com. Give us your email, receive updates on the podcast, and you can also, if you have a business, apply to be on it. If you've got a great story, apply, go to the apply section, tell us about it, and who knows, you too might be on one of the greatest business podcasts, as if and I say so myself, and I say it all the time, I think this is the place that we can, as small business owners, learn. We get inspiration, education, and activation right here on David versus Goliath. Well, we're going to get right into it now with Kenneth Tyler Anderson who is the CEO of King 16. They're an event experiential marketing agency. Matter of fact, they just threw my Christmas party slash birthday party here just a few weeks ago. You're seeing some of the pictures right now on the screen. As a matter of fact, they even recorded me playing bass on this little ditty by No More Kings called Critical Hit. Here's a few seconds of it. We'll be right back. That 
was Pete Mitchell on vocals. That was Neil DeGrade and Adam DeGrade on guitar, along with the Aranda band, the Aranda boys, background and supporting as well, too. It's awesome. We are so grateful. And Katie DeGrade helping sing background vocals as well on that song. What a lot of fun that was. But let's get right into it right now with Kenneth Tyler Anderson. This is his interview, a little bit of it. Enjoy. I would love our listeners to have a little bit of insight as to what are some of the tools that you use to get your message out of King 16. And then what are some of the tools you use on behalf of your clients? Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of, you know, put them in two different boxes, if you will. But on the agency side for King 16, we use a lot of tools. So we have, you know, our social media network is really important to us to be able to feature what we're working on with other brands and clients. And some of these automation systems, like with Anthem software, planables of the world, um, wave apps for invoicing, you know, sometimes these are all pushed together, but the ability for us to be able to broadcast what we're working on is really important. Uh, newsletters going out, social media engagement, et cetera, but also to just the day-to-day business, right? Be able to send estimates, uh, putting together proposals for brands. We use a lot of, you know, Photoshop and Illustrator. Couple yeah, so we, we do too. Yeah, exactly. A uh, couple of really cool resources that are great for people that aren't, you know, prepared to work in Photoshop and Illustrator, by the way. Uh, Canva, C-A-N-V-A dot com is a Very great play with it. Microsoft Paint. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> MSP. <laughs> yes. Classic. I always tell people, people are like, how do you do all these awesome things? I'm like, Microsoft Paint. You know, <laughs> it's like yeah, the original the original thing where you drop, drop and drag the little colors in. I'm sorry. Keep going. And you just stay dead serious and just let them wait to speak. Yeah. Microsoft Paint. Oh, that's very wow. intriguing. <laughs> By the pixel. And Tyler, you run events. And one of the things you were talking about at one specific event, you were talking about the concept of geo-targeting around the event. You know, I don't know if that's something you want to go into now, but I, I think it would be good to talk about that event and how you were able to geo-target potential customers of this person you were working for. Yeah, absolutely. So we've utilized a technology that allows us to geoframe, which is the technical term. Geoframe. Um, geoframe buildings. Okay. And you, put so, the on. you have an effect over there you could throw on for that? Yeah. So the, uh, let's see here. Give me a second. Uh, no yeah, problem. Do it. You got to do it. People are going to love it. Geoframe. <laughs> uh, so this geoframing is pretty cool, right? It's a technology that allows us to, within a square meter, draw out, uh, whether that's a polygon or a rectangle, whatever shape we want it to be, to the square meter, a building. And what's great about this is that if you've got location services turned on on your phone, which is roughly 94% of cell phones, uh, we don't know anything about you. We don't know your age. We don't know your gender. We don't know your political orientation. We don't really care about that stuff. But what we can say is, hey, on this date, this phone stepped into this building. Well, as you can imagine, if we're producing an event for, let's say, you know, Audi, uh, it's great for us to know, well, they're likely Audi fans, right? Or they're at least interested in the brand. That's right. So 
What's great about that is we can then uh, send those phones uh, ads promoting content for maybe a new car that's being released or a test drive experience that we're building. And again, we know nothing about the person, but, you know, regardless if they go to, you know, ESPN.com or somewhere else, we can at least uh, disseminate ads just based on the people that were in that building. And so it's a lot different than IP targeting. IP targeting is like, I'm sure you've done this before, Adam, where you're like, sure. hey, we're looking for great new snow boots. And then your Facebook feed is just, Eskimo shoes and, you know, oh, Eskimo shoes live for the love of God and country. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you, you get spammed with that stuff. So this yeah. is a little bit more targeted and it's been really helpful for our, our brands. And that was Kenneth Tyler Anderson. Man, what a sharp guy. What a great business. And I'm telling you, it's well worth the listen to go back. The second episode we released was with Ryan McCachron, the CEO of ISU RMAC Insurance Services in the high desert. What's interesting about Ryan's story is that he inherited the agency from his family, who also inherited it from his grandfather beforehand. So it truly is a family legacy business. Some great gems. Enjoy. I'm glad to be with you. It's so great to have you, man. I met Ryan many years ago when I was involved in the insurance industry myself. I had a company called Astonish Results many years ago, worked with about 850 insurance agencies. And Ryan happened to be a client back then. And what I love about Ryan, as I mentioned early in the introduction, is that he took over the agency from his father and his, and he's works with his family there and his sisters have worked there. And it's really a family affair that represents a lot of unique challenges in and of itself. Wouldn't you say? Oh, well, yeah, of course. You know, anytime you're working with family, you can always have those weird dynamics but uh you know it's always it's worked for us it, over the years with you know even when my dad was more involved in the business and and uh played a much bigger role to now where we're at where it's just m my sister and i pretty much running it my mom's still involved paying the bills doing the accounting and whatnot but uh but yeah it's just we've always uh, figured out a way to make it work and um you know it's just it's been a good business for our family yeah, no doubt about it. And, and for those listeners who are listening right now, they probably have an insurance agent, but they, you know, they've never really thought about the fact that the independent insurance agent, which is you guys, you're fighting with the big captive carriers with all that big budget, the flow marketing, the farmers do, 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 do. <laughs> and you get all these things that are like so competitive with such large budgets. Tell the listeners what an independent agency really is. And what makes you unique and beneficial to the potential insured? Well, what makes us unique, I think, is our ability um, being small and agile and being able to, you know, move around and do things that, you know, the big boys can't really do. And I think that that's where we've really seen a lot of success. Um, and we do have, you know, the ability to do a lot of the things that uh, the bigger uh, brokerage houses uh, do because of our affiliation with ISU. Um, which is an insurance agency network of agents all across the nation. But we put all our, our premiums together. We have more clout with the insurance companies. We get better contracts with them. Um, we get better uh, relationships with underwriters to get policies written for our clients. So we have the ability to, to do the things that the big brokerage markets uh, and big brokers do, but we're a lot quicker at it, you know, because it's just a small independent agency we have about 20 employees That's and great. Um, yeah and we're able to get things done in a much quick and more efficient manner 
20 employees, people think, you know, those listening would either think that's a lot or a little, but either way, more than one employee, more than yourself presents <laughs> challenges. There's no doubt about it. But what fires me up about small business is because we are the backbone of this country and we are the backbone of this economy. And if we don't have courage to get up and slay that giant of ourselves, <laughs> who else is going to do it? Right? Yeah, no, we got to. And, and I think that that's just the key is just getting up. Um, I, I like the analogy of making your bed because when I was in high school, that was the one thing, you know, my psychology teacher taught us is how to prepare your brain for the day. It's as simple as making your bed. And it's, it's worked, you know, my entire life. That, that really, do you that do really, that? Do you get up you know, every day and make your bed right away? Yeah, yeah. You got to make your bed. Got to make I'm your gonna bed. I'm going to have to check with your wife on this to see if this is actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, it, it, it's important, you know. You don't have a, you don't have a big staff of just people that come in and clean your house every day. No, <laughs> I wish. No, we do it ourselves. But, uh, oh, but no, great. you know, I think it's just it's it's something that triggers in your brain psychologically that making your bed it just prepares you for your day, and I think that that's always been key. Um, and you know, just getting up and doing it and being there. Um, a lot of a lot of times. The reason that we have met with success and acquired some of the accounts that we have is because we were there. And if you're That's not great. there, you can't get it. You know, you can't get that big account. Hold on. Say that again. The reason why he got the accounts was because they were there and you can't win if you're not there and you can't be there without the courage to get up and be there. I right. love that, man. That is yeah. fantastic. That was Ryan McCachron from ISU Insurance Services, ISU RMAC Insurance Services. Next up is Jack Thomas, a young CEO from Get Mulch. If you don't know where to get your mulch, go to getmulch.com. It's great to hear these technology startups with great ideas, to learn about them in their infancy stages, to also follow them throughout their careers. We plan on having Jack back in the future. Here's a little bit from Jack Thomas. Thank you for having me, Adam. Appreciate it. It is our pleasure and honor. It is not every day that people get to hear from a young tech startup, somebody that had a great idea and decided, you know what? I'm not just going to think it. I'm going to go do it. And that's what you're doing at GetMulch.com. So, so our listeners and viewers can know a little bit about it, Jack. Tell us you know, the problem you're trying to solve for and why GetMulch is that solution. Yeah, so the biggest problem is is within an industry like mulch. Um, it's something that I think most of us tend to forget about, not think um, about as as much as I now do um, with the company because we see it all around us all the time. But the ability and the process in in getting it, whether you're somebody who wants it installed or whether you just want it delivered so that you can do it yourself, it's way more complicated than it needs to be, and typically it's way more expensive than it needs to be. And so the problem that we've identified is really in the breakdown in communication more than anything, and actually as an industry, listening to what the customer needs and how they need it. Yeah, that's awesome. So basically the concept behind it was you want to make it easier for the consumers of mulch, the providers of mulch to connect with each other digitally um, so they could order right from the comfort of their phone, their tablet, their laptop. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. We, we are a one-stop shop to get mulch installed or delivered nationwide. And we've partnered with suppliers and installers and other um, mulch providers throughout the country to make that more easier, easy on, on the customer at the end of the day so that they can call us, whether you have 100 different properties that need mulch or whether you are a homeowner that just needs a few yards for, for your garden space, we have the people to get it to you more efficiently and at a better price in most cases on a day-to-day basis. That's great. Well, I'm going to need mulch pretty soon. I, I'm sure you know that. I think I've told you that a couple of I times. Do. Social media is great. I mean, on the residential side of things, again, the ability with, uh, with Facebook and Instagram to take something like mulch, which is a beautiful product and makes anything that you, you put it on look much better. It's great to have those platforms. I think I can put it on my hair and have it yeah. make it look I like mean, I, <laughs> I can get have more hair. I definitely need hair. You know, but, you know, I was thinking about it this morning too, though. It's like you could take you could take the front of the house with no bushes, no flowers, no nothing. But if you just lay mulch around the front of a house, yeah, it's gonna look good. It has nothing other than mulch. It's significantly going to improve it. It does. And so, so yeah, awesome. having social to connect with the customer that way is great. LinkedIn is just a ridiculous solution for connecting with our our, our commercial customers. No doubt we, about it. We work with a lot. We work with a lot of playground manufacturers and a lot of property managers and municipalities, and that's where they're spending their time. And so, for us to be able to do direct marketing to those people on LinkedIn has has worked great for us. And we have to take a break from our corporate sponsor, Anthem Software. We'll be right back. Anthem Business Software System is designed to specifically help small businesses just like yours find, serve, and keep more customers profitably. We do this by providing you with the most powerful software, automations, and marketing services to help your business compete and win in this ever-changing digital world. Take a short video tour at AnthemSoftware.com. One of my favorite interviews I did in this season has been so far, Bob Tasker III. I've known Bob my whole life. From a single point dealership to 14 dealerships throughout the country, he's not only runs these dealerships, folks, one of the largest automotive groups in the country right now, he also is an NHRA drag racer. This was such an interesting interview. I did two parts on it. You don't want to miss it. Here's a segment from part one. I remember the early days, you know, watching your grandfather on TV commercials, and he always had this slogan that was awesome. He basically said, you will be satisfied. And he actually wrote a book called You Will Be Satisfied. Yeah. And I've taken that whole principle even into my businesses, Bob, a little bit. Tell people about what, what did he mean by that? Did he really mean that? He actually had a saying. He took it one step further. You will be satisfied. We'll either fix it replace it or burn it, bring the matches. And, and that's his mentality. I mean, he, he did whatever it took to satisfy the customer as we do today. He empowered at the very lowest level in the company to take care of the customer because that is the secret. The further up the chain the customer goes, hmm. the more expensive it is to solve the problem. And uh, it's, it was his cornerstone. 
And today, many years later, it's still our cornerstone. You're still using the slogan to this day. I mean, think about to how this day, it's everywhere. Think about how proud he would be right now. You know, you've seen you, the, us, you know, two goofy guys on a podcast here talking to each other. Well, a goal without a plan is a wish. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to wake up in the morning and wish things are going to happen. I like to wake up and, and make things happen. Mm-hmm. And a goal without a plan you know, you're going nowhere. So you have to have, in my opinion, a couple goals. I tell people five is five's too many and one's not enough. You need, you know, two or three, three or four goals that you wake up each and every day chasing with a plan. You know, how are you going to get there? You know, what, what are, what are your backup plans? What, you know, you need to, you need to think through all of those processes and then you need to go out there and do it and use a word called accountability. See, I think accountability is that, that, that really doesn't tell it all. It's consistent accountability is what really is the game changer, in my opinion. Anybody can be accountable for a day. Yeah. Show me someone that can do it for a month, a quarter, a year, consistently holding their team accountable to what, what I consider realistic expectations. You can't ask someone to score 80 points in a basketball game, right? Nope. So it's gonna be realistic. You're going to have good processes, and then you're going to hold them accountable to the results that you expect. And what I use a phrase, Adam, my number one responsibility in our company is to put our team in a position to win, mm. in a position to win. You can't win it, right? You know, the coach, you know, Belichick, as good as he may be, he's not going to go out and win every football game. He's going to put his Clearly, team. we saw that the other day. The other day. He's going to put his team in a position to win with the resources in, in the facility, the marketing, the software, the leadership, whatever you need to do to surround your team with with the people, the talent, the resources to win. And then you got to let them go out and win the ball game and not micromanage them, you know, not suffocate them. Let them go out and win. And that's what we do in, in our company. It's been very successful and we'll continue to do it. Are there, is there a specific task way, so to speak, where yeah. when somebody comes through the door, what do we want them to think? What do we want them to feel? And what do we want them to do at Tasca? Yeah, so we have a combination of uh, outside trainers, which we bring in both on the sales side and service side uh, that, that kind of backfill the GMs. But it is the general manager's responsibility to make sure that that his team is executing our playbook. I mean, it's no... You know, you'll hear a lot of sports analogies when, when you look at how we run our company, uh, but we have a playbook. We have a sales playbook. We have a service playbook. Uh, we have a set of processes that, that need to be followed every time without fail, no exceptions. And that's the challenging thing. You can take the most simplest test, but when you ask someone to repeat it every day without fail, no exceptions, it becomes very, very complicated to do because of complacency. That was great. Now, here's another segment from part two. I, a little story. I don't buy all my cars for you, Bob, but I buy many of my cars. Many. <laughs> many. And if, I, and if you can't get them for me, you tell me where to get them, which is another thing that I really appreciate about Bob as well, too. You know, process, man, blueprinting, thinking about these things. You know, so if you're listening and you're watching, have you thought about what we're talking about? Like, what is insert your company's blueprint or way? You know, and I used it early on. I learned this principle from Eustace Wolfington years ago. What do you want people to think? What do you want people to feel? 
And what do you want them to do about it? And those three words are powerful because when you're mapping out your growth strategy in your business or you're mapping out the plan for a new business you're going to start, what do you want your customer to think about you? What do you want them to feel when they look at your brand, when they call you or walk in or see you or communicate with you, however they do it? And then more importantly, Bob, what do we want them to do about it? And that's a place where I've seen a lot of small businesses fail, Bob. They're great at helping somebody you know, think a certain way about them, feel a certain way, but they're afraid to ask for the sale. They're yeah. afraid, I call it just ask for the money. Like at some point when you've earned that trust, it's okay to say, so can we help you buy this beautiful vehicle today? How do you train your staff to not only help have a great experience, but get to the end and so the customer is not totally uncomfortable, but at the same time, we want to say, hey, we would like to earn your business. You love this car. Let's do it. How do you walk your people through that last part, which is in a lot of cases for small businesses, sometimes the most difficult part? So we, we, we break it down to three things. Me, the machine, the money. So you got to build value in me because ultimately the customer is going to be buying the car from you, not from you know the building that says Tasco on it. So you build value in me, build value in the machine. Okay, what they're about to buy. And then you get to the money. And then and then to your point, you ask for the sale and then shut up. Shut up. Just keep your money. Ask for the sale and shut up. Because so many times salesmen, they don't shut up. They just keep talking. They talk the person right out of buying the car. Yeah. I mean, really, <laughs> maybe I, you should think about it. You don't go home and yeah, 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 yeah. By the time they get done talking, they say, Well, you know, you're probably right. I shouldn't buy right now. I'm gonna come back tomorrow. And it's like, wow. It's like, okay, you did the me, you did the machine, you talked the money, let's just be quiet. That's right. Let and them decide. And, then, by the way, and, and for them to say no, it's totally fine. If it fine. Costs, no, but let them make that decision. What's, what's it going to take? You know, on a, you know scale, I, we always like to kind of frame it this way. On a scale of one to 10, how do you rate the car? So hey, if the customer I rates a car. If I say, hey, Bob, let's do it right now. Ready? I, yeah. I like that car. I give it an eight, eight and a half. So just before we go down that road, imagine if Adam said, a three. How many people in their head rate the car a three or four, and then the guy, the salesman is trying to sell it? Well, you're not <laughs> going to sell it if he rates it a three or four. No, rates it an eight, okay. Now you're going to shot. Shot. Like, shot. So my next question, gee, Adam, great. Uh, what would it take to make it a 10? Uh, obviously, it would have to be a, the a right price, um, hopefully a good warranty, and a, and a friendly smile. Okay, so Adam, friendly smile, we got covered. Okay, the right price, assuming we can get to the right price and the right warranty, are there anything else that would prevent you from taking this car today, Adam? Anything else that you yeah, can I think love of? what you just did there, Bob. Okay. I love what you just did there because you literally backed this person in a corner gently. If the person yeah. says, if the person says no, now you say that's worth cool. it. Now I know I'm But if he said, well, well, well yeah, I gotta I'm going to talk go to my wife. I'm not so sure I can afford it. I know. So I know I, I can't go all in. Because he's not in a position to say yes. But yeah, yeah, other than warranty and price and a great smile, <laughs> okay, saying, I'm ready to take delivery now. Like, I go. love the color. I love the moonroof. I love everything. So now at that point, we've established, so at this point, you can come back with numbers that you believe are fair pricing. I mean, you know, Adam, I know that you're here because you saw our pricing online. Yep. Clearly, clearly, Adam, our pricing was very competitive. And at Tasca, you get all of this, A, B, C, D. We do a sandwich when you come in for an oil change, a car wash, and you build value in all the things that, that's, 
that makes your company different and then say, Adam, you know, the the price is $4.99 a month. Okay. And we're able to discount the warranty because I know that was important for you. Can we do business today? And then shut up. You know what, man? I got to tell you, if business is listening, if you just rewind this section and run your business like this, you're going to sell more stuff. It takes a lot of courage to get into that NHRA drag race car and fly like the wind. Tell people what that is like the first time. I want you to think back to the first time you got in there. Tell us that story. Yeah, it's, well, I don't know if the word is courage or crazy, Adam, one of the two, I guess, but um, no, it's, a, it's, I think it fuels my passion. It's, it's, I, I'm a competitive guy and, and all I think about, you know, is competing and winning and, you know, at the highest level in drag racing, which my grandfather did back in the 60s. And, you know, I, I was fascinated about the stories about what they did, win on Sunday, sell on Monday was a phrase that my grandfather quoted and, and to get the opportunity uh, to actually be able to, to live my dream and, and uh, drive a nitro funny car for Ford Motor Company. That's like, that's like serious. Like that, you can't just drive down the street and get nitro fuel, can you? No, no, it's, uh, it's pretty regulated, but it's, it's, uh, it's intense. I, I tell people it's like pulling the trigger of a gun and riding the bullet. It's a very violent, violent experience of acceleration and deceleration. We'll, We'll pull over six and a half G's of acceleration and, and over seven G's when the parent negative seven G's when the parachutes come out. So it's a 13 plus G swing from hitting the throttle to when the parachutes come out. And, and it's um, it's no mistakes. It's a sport that if you blink, you lose. And, and I, I think that's the you most. Don't blink. And I was watching a video of yours online yeah. on the YouTube where you said that for that three and a half, four seconds, you can't breathe. No. Right? The G-forces push so much pressure on your rib cage, right? The lungs that it literally... Or compresses your lungs inside your chest. You can feel the air come out of your mouth. And then, you know, the chutes come out and you hit the parachutes. It's like trying to eject you through the windshield and it compresses your chest. And, you know, you get out of the car. I remember I had a friend of mine say, you know, Bob, you look a little ridiculous getting out of the car. I said, what do you mean? You're all out of breath. Yeah, you know, moving. He goes, you you just drove for three seconds. Like, how could you possibly be out of breath? And you know, I started laughing. I said, well, truthfully, you know, your adrenaline's rising. You can't breathe, and you know, you're you're accelerating. The acceleration rate in the car. You know, I put it in perspective. I think people can relate to this. Zero to sixty in a Shelby GT500 Mustang. Really, really, really fast car. About three point two seconds. Yep. Zero to sixty in a nitro. Funny car, half second, 0.5. Oh it's unbelievable. Zero, zero to 100 0.8 of a second. And then we'll start to cover a football field every half second. Oof. So the acceleration rate on the car is, is, is extraordinary. But, you know, for me, I don't know anything else on the planet that really gets my competitive juices flowing more. Oh, I see it. I watch you on TV. I see, I see you do it. Now, I I've also know that your mom's a nervous wreck when she watches it. <laughs> uh, you actually blew up once, and I saw that, and I, I literally, my heart skipped a beat. I'm like, oh, God, please make sure he's okay. You literally blew up in yeah. the car. What did that feel like? 
and we have to take another break from another sponsor right here on David versus Goliath podcast. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. At King 16, our agency has done some exciting things over the years. We've designed and built amazing experiences for customers and launched several vehicles for Audi and Porsche. We've thrown extravagant parties inside whiskey distilleries and featured amazing products for brands like Ray-Ban and Fossil. We booked some incredible talent and designed cutting-edge stages for those performances. We even threw a red carpet gala in the middle of nowhere on a horse farm with hundreds of celebrities, which was difficult. I guess you could say we've done some amazing things for our brands and partners. Now the only question is, what will King 16 do for you? Find out at king16.com. That's king, S-I-X-T-E-E-N.com. Our first real estate agent ever was David Dorman. David Dorman has a great story. This episode was moving and touching in a lot of ways as well, too. David shares a little bit about how he lost an employee and how difficult that was. And he also says some great things that are motivational as well, too. I highly recommend that you guys check this episode out. Here's a little bit of it right now. You're the very first real estate agent that we're having on David versus Goliath. Uh, for full disclosure, you've been my real estate agent before in the past. You've done an amazing job for me. And uh, one of the things I love about David is that I've seen David from the first time I moved down to Florida in 2003 all the way to now, my most recent home purchase. He's helped me. And to see how much you've grown, David, from then to now is amazing in your business. Tell the folks watching and listening, you know, how you decided that you wanted to become a real estate agent and the progression of where you were and where you are now. You know, it's a, it's a pretty, it's an interesting story because at the time I had, you know, I'd already worked at the theme parks. I, I, when I first moved here in 85, I worked at SeaWorld. Then I worked at Universal as a acapella doo-wop singer. And at the time I was working at, uh, I just finished up uh, seven years at Disney and attractions. And I was kind of just trying to figure out what to do with my life. But I, I, I but I felt like I had some really good customer service skills uh, from those parks and all of that. So I'm working out at Bally back when Bally was still open. Not even open anymore. Um, and the guy next to me was talking about timeshare. I'm like, I could do that and do this singing waiter thing. And and then I realized, and I was like, I didn't want to do timeshare, but I wanted to do uh, residential real estate. And kind of got hooked up with uh, uh, an independent brokerage, and then eventually with Century 21. And that's when I met you. And that's actually, you know, I've told you this before, but since you're listeners probably don't know is once you and I got together, that first transaction we did was one of the biggest of my career. And it really gave me the confidence and the um, the finances to really grow my business. And now, uh, what, 21 years later, I am the owner and the broker of our, our franchise. So it truly is amazing, you know, because I remember so people thinking back then, like, so that was the early it was 2003. Internet was still relatively new, but that's how I found you. Like I went online and I searched mm -hmm. for real estate agents in the Orlando area. I was looking to buy a vacation home at the time. And yep. you were one of the first that came up. There was a few others. I talked to a few others. You were responsive. You were quick. You got back to me. And so you've always valued that stuff. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing when you think about it. Now, how many employees do you have right now working with you at your particular franchise? Well, you know, employees, you're, you're probably thinking agents as employees. Technically, they're, they're independent contracts. We have about 60 agents and about five or six employees. You know, it's uh, a lot of behind the scenes so people great. that manage our business. Yeah. Yeah. And we're looking to, you know, we're all constantly looking to grow that. Yeah, that's great. You know, 
it, it's so fascinating to me because real estate is one of those things where it's like, you know, it's shifting so quickly technologically now, as you know, I mean, you, you know, you watch TV mm-hmm. commercials, they're all either trying to get rid of the agent or they're trying to knock down the, the rates of an agent or they're trying to make it easier for people to buy. And they <laughs> are. And a lot of those tools, a lot of those tools are great. Right. But, uh, you know, what has that been like for you to have to compete in that environment? Because obviously, you know, you're still, you, you know, you're, you're a small business competing in a very large space. It's you're kind of like fighting, jockeying to get that placement so people can know how to find you and see you. You know, what has been the, you know, the evolution for you from the early days of the Internet to now there's so much technology. How do you stay relevant and current? It's a lot of research. It's a lot of paying attention to any bit of information you can get. And it's about not panicking. For example, I'm constantly on Facebook and in man news, LinkedIn, looking to see what everybody else is doing, but not getting so caught up in it that I panic. I mean, with when these brokers, what you're talking about, uh, things like uh, OfferPad and similar, they're called iBuyers, where they pay cash for a house and they basically cut us right. out of it. But the reality is nine out of 10 people don't want to do that. They, they, they want someone who's going to be hands-on with them. Another big change that's happened over the years when I first met you till now is that you have these big teams of people where... You know, there's a group in town and the agent says, I sell 800 homes a year. And I'm like, no, you don't, because you would be a crazy person if you sold 800 homes yourself in a year. Now, what they're really talking about is their team of 20 people sold 800 homes a year, which is still impressive. But it's not the same as an individual. When I say I've sold 100 homes in a year, I've sold 100 homes in a year. That's David Dorman. David, Merry Christmas to you and your family as well. And Happy New Year and Happy Holidays. And last but not least on this part, one of the hits and only the hits was Chet Hit. Chet Hit has the coolest name. Of course, on the hits, he does have the coolest name. Chet Hit owns two cemeteries, five mortuaries, two restaurants, a farmer's market, and a distillery. Whew. That is a lot of stuff going on. This was so much fun. And only on David versus Goliath can we make death fun. Check this out. Glad to be here. It's going to be a great day, I think. It is going to be a great day. I, you know, one of the things I always said when I was younger, raising my first set of children, uh, I read a book by Zig Ziglar called See You at the Top, Chet. And one of his ideas that he had in the book was every morning you wake up, you clap twice and you say it's going to be a great day. And I remember for years I would run around the house and I'd wake up in the morning, like six o'clock in the morning, and I'd go... It's going to be a great day. And my kids would be like, what on earth are you doing, dad? That is yeah. crazy. But it, it's always been a really important thing. I think people don't realize that how you start the day from an attitude perspective affects the rest of the day, right? If you, wake, if you wake up with a bad attitude, you're in no danger of having a good day. But if you wake up with a great attitude, you get a chance at it. And speaking of great attitudes, tell the listeners all of the different businesses right now that you're juggling and managing. I think they'd find it fascinating. Well, I, I run three different companies, but the crazy thing about it is it's all about the team that we have on staff. I mean, they're the ones who get the results. So uh, every great entrepreneur can have great ideas, but if they don't have the team behind them to get stuff done, uh, they're not going to get to where they need to go. So it takes a team effort to get there. But with that being said, uh, I actually started off uh, kind of a crazy game that I played. I was in uh, work for a family business for years. Uh, my father started it. My brother took over. So I worked for him for years. 
And then uh, I was wanting to be a partner and he was promising me a partnership and didn't deliver. So long story short, I was playing racquetball when I was 26 years old with a buddy of mine in Victorville, California. And he said, what a shame that my mother could be buried in our hometown of Apple Valley. And I said, dude, we should build a cemetery. So literally the next day, we looked at a contract. I drove down to LA to Forest Lawn, the granddaddy of all cemeteries. And I started measuring graves. And wow. then when I realized I measured these graves, I figured, what the heck? Uh, you can get about 1,600 graves per acre. And so I turned around, started this little cemetery with a buddy of mine. And, you know, after a few years, he took off with his other business. So I uh, took him out and here we are. And right now we are the largest privately held cemetery company in Southern California. That is um, Amazing. And how many cemeteries are there right now? I think there's a handful, right? I, I have two cemeteries and six mortuaries. Wow. That is, yeah. and you know, on David versus Glass, we don't typically talk to cemetery owners and mortuaries, but this is a real business. I mean, I would imagine that, that I think, is it, is it referred to as the death industry or is it, is it, how do they refer to it as the actual industry itself? Yeah. Death industry. And, and the crazy thing is, is when I started, what was funny about it is, I used to sell graves door to door and people wow. would laugh at me and I knocked on doors and told them my story and one led to another, to a referral, to a referral, to another, to another, to the point now, you know, we do about a million dollars a month in, in gross sales. That's unbelievable. You know, and for the listeners listening to David versus Glad, so think about this, 26 years old, Chet's out there having a conversation, recognizes a need and then he doesn't wait to figure it out. The very next day goes out. And this is the thing, Chet, that people don't really appreciate about entrepreneurs and business people is if you hesitate on an idea, you're most likely never to do it, right? So if you, if you see something and you have an idea, strike hard, strike fast. And as the uh, dojo leader from the Cobra Kai says, show no mercy on the idea. Correct. You got to get out there and do it. And to start that into now all these years later, having such an amazing business like this, it's inspiring for people that are listening to the show, you know? Jet hit, boom, boom, boom. That's all I keep thinking about when I actually hear your name. It's awesome. And that's kind of what you've done in life. You've kind of like, you've woken up every day and you said, I'm going to punch and fight my way through this. I'm going to build some businesses. I'm going to start them and I'm going to go out there. You said you have almost 150 employees. One of the things we talk about on David versus Goliath is courage. It's the actual, it's the stone that I believe that the shepherd boy David took out there and slayed that Goliath with is the stone called courage. And it takes a lot of courage to start one business or two businesses or whatever the case may be. How, if you look back on the beginning when you were 26 years old and you found about this need about for someone being buried in the, in the high desert, for example, and there wasn't some place to, to put that individual. What was it in you that woke up that following morning and said, I'm going to do this? Because I think, I think people don't know what that intangible is. Well, when you start a new business, you're generally broke. So you, you, there's two reasons to want to do it. One, you want to serve and take care of people. The next thing is you want to try something and you got to have it in your gut to want to do it and, and out think it and you got to live and breathe it. I mean, you know, hey, there was times that 
I, I'm a, I'm 57 years old. I'm on cholesterol, blood pressure pills, everything else because we I wanted it so bad. You're up all night long. I mean, how many people that are an entrepreneur had a little pad next to their bed because they woke up at two o'clock in the morning and write the notes down and keep on going. So you you're going to want that push and that drive. But I think that's the the biggest difference of, of where I've come from is when there was a, two needs: one, make a living. And also take care of your family at the time. So when I started yeah. knocking on doors, people laughed at me. And But on a Saturday, I'd hit 100 doors and get enough appointments to get me through the week. And I had to work my way backwards to say, okay, as an entrepreneur or a salesperson or someone like that, when you're on commission, because I didn't have the money to be on salary. So if I didn't sell a space, I didn't get a commission. So that was the whole thing. So I backed my way into the numbers that I had to make and how many doors I had to hit to get this many appointments. And then what did my closing ratio became or become? And then as I started closing more and got better and fine-tuning my machine, I built a team. And as I built a team, it grew from there. But awesome. it was all about trying to put, you know, pay your pay your Edison bill, pay your mortgage, and, and put food on the table. Great to be back. Thank you so much, Chet Hit. That was awesome. You know, we're dedicated here and committed on the David versus Goliath podcast to bring you nothing but the best inspiration, education, and things that you can activate in your business right now. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for watching. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And we'll see you next week. Have an awesome day.